I'm curious about people. I want to meet them. I'm curious about their startups and about what they do. And I think I thrive when I see them thrive. It makes me happier, more energetic when I see other people do the work and succeed because I'm thinking to help them. So you got to like people. That's one thing for sure. Welcome to The Connectors, a podcast about the people who are building and managing innovative ecosystems worldwide. The exponential growth and demand for innovation from all kinds of players in the global tech world has created new and diverse versions of ecosystems. On the podcast, we will interview different ecosystem managers to learn about their work, find out how they measure their impact, and their ways to generate value for the different stakeholders they work with. We'll explore how they maximize collaborations and hear about their challenges through stories from their day-to-day life, and of course, some insights for the future. My name is Inbal Perlman. I'm the VP Business Development at Tau Ventures, and with me is Nitsan Gal, CEO and co-founder of Click. Hello, Yasmin. How are you? Good. Hi, Nitsan. Hi, Inbal. Hi. So it's actually morning for you in California right now and evening here. How is September going? We know it's a, an exciting week this week. The kids started school. Hallelujah. Cool. Okay. Let's jump in with the first question. We'd love to hear from you, first of all, about yourself and about Icon. So Icon uh, is a community. We call it a paid forward community. We're a community of people that share a passion for uh, Israeli high tech, Israeli founders, partners in U.S. VCs and corporate executives and kind of the common thread between everyone is this um, desire or passion or interest in uh, Israeli technology and wanting to see Israeli entrepreneurs thrive. We're a nonprofit. We've been active for the past um, six years or a little more than six years. Um, and we really love what we do. I mean, what, I went to Stanford Business School and one of the professors there, her name is Jennifer Acker, and she's researching happiness. And what she found in her research is that your definition of happiness changes over time with your age. So imagine like a baby. What makes them happy? They want to be diaper and they want to be fed and they want to sleep. And then in your 20s, it's about excitement and about uh, activity. And when I heard her um, speak about this and then she goes, in your 40s, it's about community and it's about impact. This is what makes you happy. And I totally connected with that. You know, I feel lucky that with Icon, I can do what according to research, it's supposed to make me happy, which is actually making me happy. And if you're curious, in your 60s, it's about um, peace and serenity. But is it really something that was born for you only in the 40s? Like, is it something maybe that you had before the community and vibe? I think it was, it was always, um, I think there are two things here, not just community and love of community and understanding that a community is like a multiplier on your strength and on your power and that you can achieve so much more with the community. Uh, but I think it's also the love for Israel and everything that Israel, and, and it's those two things that are coinciding is, is icon, is both my passion for, uh, for Israel, for the Israeli entrepreneurs, my ability to showcase Israel here in this positive connotation, you know, not just BDS and bad things that you read on the news, the high tech, the amazing entrepreneurs that come with like the sparkle in their eyes and, and people hear them and the community aspect. You know, I want, I want what I do to have a meaning, to touch many people. And I believe that when you have a community behind you, everything that you do has more impact. And I, you know, and I have 
many great examples for that with things that we do at Icon, uh, with things that we do starting to do with Icon, but outside of Icon. So, but I'm no, I know we're going to get to that. So let's go back a few years. Icon started six years ago. How did it start? What was the initial stages of uh, building this now mega network cross country uh, community? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Sometimes when I speak with students, people ask, so did you have this vision and did you imagine it's going to be like this? And, you know, they think that I had it all planned and all figured out. Maybe I even drew it on something. And, and then we kind of worked to achieving this goal and creating this community. Not how it happened. What happened is that we kind of listened to the community and gave people what they wanted and built it stage by stage. I didn't have this big vision of what it could be today, but every time that I had an opportunity to make it better, uh, to make it grow, um, I, I was able to seize that opportunity and make Icon uh, bigger, better, uh, more impactful, better for its participants, better for the, for the state of Israel, better for everyone. Um, so I didn't have this vision how it actually started, so here's the story behind it. And the local JCC invited me to a brainstorming session about how can we get Israelis in the Bay Area more involved, you know, and everything that's happening in social uh, entrepreneurship, in, in the JCC, in the Jewish environment. And um, one of the ideas that was thrown in that brainstorming session was, let's do a one-day conference about Israeli high tech. So see, starting with a small idea. And, you know, we came again to another brainstorming session and we thought this is a good idea. We need someone to do a conference about Israeli tech. And then they asked me to do that. They said, you know, I was just in the, the right timing in my life. So I guess timing is also really important. I was just transitioning out of uh, maternity leave and I wanted to go back. And uh, I also came back to the Valley after working outside. I was working in Las Vegas and uh, it was kind of the right time. Like all the stars aligned and I was like, yeah, I can do it while I'm, it's a few months thing and it's good for the community and I'm going to get to know many people and I'm very much a people person. Uh, so it was playing to my strength. It felt like fun. Something that I would love to do. There's like the saying, how does it go? Love what you do for work and you're not going to, you don't have, have to, to work, yeah, a work a day in your life. Yeah, there's something. Yeah. yeah, There's probably a research about it. You can find something. <laughs> <I'm sure there. laughs> We can just find I'm the sure sentence there. and the research and then it's all back. I know, but um, what was I saying? So I was planning on doing it for, for a few months. And then I started getting pushback from the community. Well, we're going to do all this, and then what's happening? We're going to do all this, and that's what's happening. And then we continued to add programs to Icon. This is how I conformed. Then we continued to add programs based on the feedback we got from the we got from the community. Our women in tech program. You know, before COVID, it was in five cities in the U.S., but actually now we made it national, so we get Israeli women in tech from all over um, the U.S., even from where we don't have a chapter joining, and we have women from Israel joining started just because Deputy Foreign Minister Tzipi Fotoveli came to visit and wanted to meet with Israeli women in tech. We organized this meetup, um, but then all those women came and said, we want to meet again, we want to meet again. So it was again pushback. And now it's this amazing program uh, with mentorship for women in tech and an opportunity and great speakers. The CEO of Oracle came to speak in that. Just because something started and we seized this opportunity and listened to the community members which I guess if you're talking about community, something that you got to do, listen to your community um, and then created that for them. It sounds like a lot of it started with your own interest and your own network. And this is something that I want to go back to that point. Sometimes people feel that their network is, you know, their secret sauce and they're keeping it really close 
to themselves. And something made you understand that there was bigger value, not only to keep it closer, but actually to connect between people. What was that? Like, how did you understand that? I was never someone who held my work close to my chest. I always wanted, even before I did Icon, I probably spent a big part of my time connecting people when they wanted to. Um, I think many times when you see there's a win-win situation, why not? Um, you're creating value for everyone. The only thing that I didn't have enough time to do it. And I felt like sometimes I could do it all day and I just don't get enough. And I, and I agree, not everyone sees that. I did get like someone reacting when we asked, I said, well, I said you, you know, if you want to be part of this, invite people that you know to our event. This is, but then they're going to be everybody's connection, not just my connection. Actually, that was the first time I was exposed to this thinking. Um, and, and, and I think what worked for ICON, um, I think the first thing that worked is that we're a nonprofit. I'm not asking people to pour their connections in so I can make money or can someone else make money. I can make a lot more money if I'll do something else. It's for the greater good. It's for everyone. So I think people see that and understand that and they want to help and um, they want to give back and they want to promote the Israeli tech and they want, you know, they love meeting the entrepreneurs. They love seeing them success. They, you know, we all really enjoy that. So we're all there. So I'm putting my connections and I never had a doubt that this is how it should be done. And everyone else is doing the same thing. So, We know that JCC was the beginning of this entire uh, mega project. Um, ICON has changed. There's been some evolution of, um, from the beginning until today. Who are the main stakeholders within the ecosystem of ICON? If you could share a little bit about that. I think in every community, the main stakeholders are the community members. So I think ICON belongs to an entrepreneur uh, in uh, Naharia. As much as it belongs to a partner in a VC here or to a sponsor or to everyone. So it is by everyone, like a very, like a kibbutz, I guess, in a way. It's by everyone, for everyone. Everyone gets something from doing it. Uh, we have an amazing team of five that is working hard to make the day-to-day -day work. But I think ICON belongs to everyone. Can you go back and sort of try to walk us through from when you started to actually now that... I want to soon to get into what you're doing now in COVID-19. But before that, just going through the main milestones, do you have like an awareness of the main milestones that ICON went through to be where it is today? You know, we have different programs at ICON. We have the Women in Tech program. We have SB 101 program. We have a conference that we do once a year. Uh, we have something we call Innovation Week, which is taking a lot of events and doing it around uh, the conference. Uh, we have something called Dinner and Dialogue, which is entrepreneurs and VCs having dinner. So many times I look at like, the establishment of each of the programs as a milestone. In the beginning, we just had the annual conference. Then we added um, SP101. Then we added the Women in Tech program. Then we actually surrounded the annual conference with more events. Before that, we opened the space in Palo Alto. where we started doing, um, we wanted to make it a place for serendipitous interactions. I love this word, but it doesn't exist in Hebrew. It it's means, the best word ever. It's the best. It means um, a great coincidence. And we have that. We have a space. People come and work from the space. We do office hours in the space. We do small events in the space. And those serendipitous interactions, so happy coincidental interactions, happen over there at the space. So I think for me, the establishment of each of these programs 
would be you know, opening, uh, even within a program, we had women in tech just in Palo Alto, but then we opened the branch in San Francisco and then that's a milestone. And then we decided we're going to go outside the Bay Area and we opened New York and we opened Boston and we opened Los Angeles. So those are things. And I think another big uh, milestone would be, the, um, we call it paid forward community. So people don't pay for anything that we do. They just um, help each other when they can. And we always kind of pay forward within the community. And I think the major um, uh, milestone was last year when we took it and we said, let's pay forward outside the community. We partnered with um, uh, a nonprofit called Unisplain that's promoting entrepreneurship in the periphery within youth. Uh, we adopted their center in Tivot and their center in Kiryat Malachi. And again, using this multiplier of how much you can achieve with a community, our entrepreneurs, people within the community, um, we invited them to go and mentor the teens in the Unistream centers. So I think that was a big milestone because uh, it's not just another aspect of Icon being created or Icon going to another city. It's like this whole mindset of the community reaches a stage where it's not just helping people within the community, but as a community, taking a stand and making, making Israel a better place. It's interesting the way you're describing it. It's almost like this internal magic that is spread outside, right? Because you work for a few years to create this trust and create a, a strong network and value. And that moment when you can start taking that and leveraging it and bringing it to other people, it's very satisfying. I, I can, it sounds like, you know, it's a milestone that is starting to grow even externally. So it's super exciting. Yeah. I mean, and, and I wish I could say I was planning on this and this is a milestone that I had. And I was like, yeah, you're five. We're going to pay it forward outside the community. No, I, you know, I almost said like, hell no, probably if you say that. But no, it's just like reacting and reading the community and understanding what people want and what we can do with them and taking advantage of opportunities. It's being flexible with the events that are happening and growing. I think it's even more than that. It really shows the strength of a community. I think the moment a community starts going outside itself and not only helping one another or just like looking inside, but rather understanding that they have the power to actually do something even in a bigger circle than them. I think it says a lot of the evolution of the community itself and its power. So that's cool for Icon. Thank you. We're talking a lot about community here. And I think also when, you know, if you speak to an Israeli founder, one of the first things they say is like, it's an amazing community. It's an amazing network. And it's, it's pretty well known here in the ecosystem. And we're facing a new reality. The last few months have uh, made us all look at our lives in a different way. And communities have also had to adjust. What happened to your let's say, face-to-face -face serendipitous uh, moments. How did you manage to bring that social and networking engagement with this new situation? So I think that um, when COVID started, I mean, first I thought it's going to be like a few weeks and we're done, but we had to quickly adapt. We had two big events that were scheduled for like a week later and like we had a thousand people pouring party for all of our companies that went for SB101 and all of their employees. We had a conference planned I think it was March 17th when Ariel Cohen, the founder and CEO of Trip Action, was supposed to come and keynote that in Israel. So I think the events that we had scheduled just like a few weeks after it started made us be very uh, quick to react, to adapt and to see what changed. And, and we changed. And, you know, my team is amazing. Rachel, who's leading them, is like immediately um, 
adapted to the change and changed everything. And we, we switched everything to online, obviously, because you don't really have a choice. You can't meet in person. But I think it's an opportunity. Let me give you an example. We did a small conference about cybersecurity. And I had Rich Red uh, speak, which otherwise it would have been very hard to bring him from Israel to the U.S., and I had a panel with amazing uh, CISOs, one who's in Atlanta, one in Boston, and one in, uh, I think, San Francisco. And they were all there. So I think I had, I'm able to bring the best speakers I was ever able to bring with much ease. Uh, the CEO of Oracle came to speak, the CEO of YouTube came to speak. So really big things. So I think in the knowledge transfer, we even got better because we have those amazing opportunities to create better content uh, or I don't know, but better like content that we otherwise would not have access to. And in terms of the one-on-one interactions, we try to do a lot of office hours. So much more than we did before, much, much, much more than we did before. And then, you know, we don't meet face-to-face, but we have a 20 minute uh, one-on-one on Zoom. When we did the cyber event, we did that just around cyber. So we invited CISOs from many, many different companies, which are the people that their cybersecurity entrepreneurs really want to speak with. And people signed up for them. Um, in August, we did an amazing uh, office hour marathon. We had, I think, 50 mentors, 51 mentors, a few hundred enter- uh, meetings uh, set up with entrepreneurs. And we're doing it again right now in September. In, uh, we were doing one week, then it was two weeks. And we really hope to, to get better reach because if we do office hour in our space and you get all those serendipitous interactions happening, You've got to be in the U.S. The Israeli entrepreneur had to come to the U.S. at the time that this is happening. You wouldn't come for a 20 minutes, 20 minutes meeting with someone all the way from Israel to the U.S. If you happen to be there, you'll do that. But I think now, again, looking at the silver lining or looking at the good things that happens in the situation, many more Israeli entrepreneurs can access this amazing program and can speak um, with really leaders from this community. We had uh, Adita Talco, she's the CEO and founder of House, uh, giving those office hours. We have, uh, you know, Amir Feinberg, who is like probably the highest ranking Israeli ever in Intel, giving office hours. We have really, really amazing people coming and doing those. You know, I could spend, we could spend an hour and I can go through the list here with the amazing buyers, but just go on our website and take a look. But in my mind, what's exciting here is that this is an opportunity for um, the entrepreneurs that wouldn't have otherwise come to the U.S., People from the periphery, uh, maybe, you know, we're working with Kamatek, maybe the ultra-Orthodox entrepreneurs here. We're working with other organizations, maybe from the Israeli-Arab entrepreneurs uh, and do those. So we want to increase the reach and bring all this knowledge of people that people got in Silicon Valley to um, every sector in Israeli society, to every Israeli entrepreneur. I have to ask, because these are really interesting people and I guess they don't have a lot of time to spend around, what makes them come to Icon and give time for Icon's members specifically? Well, many times it's a win-win. They come because they get something out of this too. And not just the joy of giving, which is a great priceless joy, but they meet the, the, the people that want to meet uh, in our events, in everything that we do, uh, the prestige of the brand, because the brand is very prestigious. We have a cool t-shirts and I get many people sending me pictures of themselves with the t-shirts or tagging me on pictures of other people with the t-shirts uh, from all over the world. So I think it's, you, they really get something out of this for themselves in a professional way, in a personal way, an opportunity to grow. 
I have one of the leading executives here. She came to the conference, an American lady, and she said, uh, oh, my mom's going to be so proud of me. And I was like, why? She said, I'm doing this because it's good. You know, I need to do it because of business, but I'm also connecting with the state of Israel. So they really feel the Zionism. And in the beginning, we had one, um, one uh, it was an American Indian guy that was very involved in everything that we did. And I, I once I asked him, I said, Tell me the secret. What do I not get here? Why you so? Why do you want to help us so much? Um, is, is your wife Israeli? Did you live in Israel and work in kibbutz? What's uh, what's the secret behind this? And he said, you know, no, none of this. I just want to be part of this cool, amazing community, Israeli high tech. So it's not like I have a very difficult. I have the best brand to sell. Israeli high tech in the global high tech community. You know, Tel Aviv is the is the largest, I think, or best tech. Uh, city outside of the U.S., so I have a very, a very good brand to be selling. So, and and I think that with this, with this last marathon, um, one of the things we told the people that came to it, we actually said, uh, because of COVID, new world, new rules. Even if it was always because there's something in it for you, I want you to now do it regardless. And I'm going to bring entrepreneurs that you might not want to do business with them, and they might be so early in their journey that you're going to tell them the obvious and it's not going to give you anything other than the joy of giving, but I'm calling you and this is your reserve duty and you got, you know, and come now and do it. And I think like, it was amazing. I got almost everyone said yes within 24 hours. And those that said, no, it was because they were traveling or, and then, and, and then people I didn't ask, like, I want to do it too. That's why we're doing the second one. It's all people that we didn't get a chance to do. Or we filled too quickly with those who said yes. And then we had to do it again. It's like the, the next stage of swag is getting them reserve duty uniform of icon. It's like, I'm calling you for reserve duty. Put your uniform on. Um, so one thing that you mentioned just now about having that continuing support of the founders is really remarkable. There are big challenges today. And we know that one of icon's biggest offerings is also helping startups reach customers and reach investors in the Valley. And how uh, do you maintain this today and, and manage to help startups overcome all the challenges of being far away? Because again, there are amazing uh, speakers you can get from Atlanta, but in the end of the day, a startup wants to be close to its customers. Um, and this is a really big challenge. What do you do about that as Icon, as Yasmin? I think we do two things. One is in the um, side of um, educating and mentoring. So we will bring someone who's a chief marketing officer um, who can speak about how they and their company overcame all those difficulties because the Israeli entrepreneurs are not the only ones who have those difficulties. Everybody's impacted in the same way. Actually, even if you live here in Silicon Valley, most companies are not going to see you. Even if you live across the street from, um, from Facebook or from Google, the employees are just not allowed to meet with you face-to-face. It's not going to happen. You're going to do it via Zoom. So this is like a common global um, issue now, not just for Israeli entrepreneurs. So learning from others, how they're adapting, what do they do for conferences? How do they do their uh, business development? What do they do? How do they do the work with leads? Um, so this is one aspect of everything, just educating more about this you know, new situation. Even we created opportunities for um, SB101 alumni to um, do a weekly meeting with one another and share best practices, what worked, what didn't work, and that kind of stuff. And I think the other thing is, again, those one-on-ones. Um, if we'll bring a chief information security officer and he, gets to, and, and he gets to meet with the startups with four or five of them in a row, 
this is exactly that. This is the opening the door. It's the first meeting with um, with a potential customer. I want to touch something that I, I think is obvious for you, but is really important, I think. And you're, you mentioned it a few times here in the call, and I know it from the general talks here. It's the brand. You're talking a lot about the brand. And in, if you think about it, In companies, I understand the importance of building a brand and having values and everything around that. But it's something that isn't obvious for an ecosystem, for a community. There's something that doesn't happen a lot. And if you think about it, there's a lot of different communities and ecosystems here in Israel that are helping founders. And I think Icon has like the special place in people's heart. And it's really interesting to understand Where did it come from? How are you thinking about it? And how did you build it? I think people have a special place for Icon, not because it has like this brand or a logo or whatever, but I think because the people that are in the community or the people that started the community and shaped it the way they are, they're genuinely there to help other people. They enjoy being part of the community. They enjoy being able to, um, to mentor and to help. And to look at the entrepreneurs in the eyes and see that like, the sparkle, which is, is what makes me want to wake up in the morning, see those people. So I think when it's genuine, people see that. Uh, we were also lucky to have uh, one of the, the like this first brainstorming group uh, to have Omer Malchin, who's, uh, who's you know part of our steering committee and he's a brand specialist. So he um, designed the logo and everything that's around that. So we did have amazing professional, help in everything that's like logo-like and brand-like and we watched it, but it's not about that. It's about passion in people's hearts that do it with getting nothing in return that is contagious. What if there's a, an ecosystem that isn't known, right? And it's looking to build a brand and it's just the beginning. Are there things that now you know that you wish you knew before to reach that point where people are familiar and saying, okay, that's That's a, a good brand. I want to be a part of that ecosystem. Um, you make it sound like we're known, are we? You're pretty known uh, within Israel and the Valley, I think. But our listeners in Japan are now uh, getting familiar with your, uh, with your brand. One time someone, um, one actually an American here that I know, he went to a lecture by a really big VC here. speaking with uh, international entrepreneurs about what you need to do when you first come to San Francisco to Silicon Valley. And one of the things that the person said is you join a network. And he put like, you know, like you put images on your slides to make people understand what he said. And he put the logo of meetup, like the big meetup thing. He put Thai, which if you're not here, you might not be familiar, but it's like um, mostly Indian entrepreneurs, like thousands and thousands of people, huge network with um, amazing events. And, uh, and then he put icon and it was just the beginning. And I was so moved and someone took a, took a picture and sent me the picture. And I was so moved by it that someone, um, not just recognized our name, but like thought of putting it there. Um, what would be my advice? Wow. Um, I don't know, truly believe in what you do and, and pay forward. I think I got a call from someone, um, who was thinking of doing this. something similar for British entrepreneurs. And when we started, I met with an organization called C100 that is doing something similar for Canadian entrepreneurs. And I spoke about what worked for them, what didn't work for them. And the funny thing that a few years later, I now got a call from C100 that they want to learn from us. 
I thought it's hilarious. I thought it's hilarious. Do what you believe in. Do it with all. Do it with all your heart. Uh, don't try to get something out of this, because uh, people see you know immediately see through. You just have to believe in the strength of the community and the strength of the network, and and, and enjoy you know genuinely enjoy being part of it. And also, you have this understanding that people are contagious, and I think at the core, at, just from beginning and. initiating this you brought in good people with good intentions to connect and then it just like it grows from there a lot but it's also a good understanding the fact that bring in the good people and the people who really believes in what you believe and then grow from that space here's a question here okay because we're talking still about startups right and when there are startups um, that are starting on there are other startups that they look uh, up to And there is some exclusivity in being in your network. And you have to get accepted. Obviously, everyone can sign up in the website, but there's still uh, certain events that used to be closed. And my question to you is, COVID is here. You open some of the events. How do you still manage to maintain the quality and the exclusivity that the, the name holds? So first thing, um, ICON is for any Israeli entrepreneurs. We are very clear like uh, guidelines of who can be a member and who cannot. So any Israeli entrepreneur can be a guideline. Any partner in the USBC can be a partner, might have a different type, can be I mean, a member. Uh, and every corporate executive director and above and any company uh, in the US that's not a service provider can be an ICON member. So that's pretty clear. And then in the events, we have different criteria. We could have one event That's only for cyber security entrepreneurs. So you know even if you get the most amazing entrepreneurs but you do e-commerce, you won't be able to sign up. We will have an event that is only for people that are in the growth stage of the company. So then if you're early on, you wouldn't be able to sign up. And we might have an event that is for early stage. So then if you are you know more advanced, you wouldn't be able to sign up. So it's usually either by stage or by vertical because we, we live in a focused conversation. And we think that um, when you have too much of a diversity in the room in terms of interest, do I want to know how to grow my company? Do you want to know how to start the company? Do I care about contact in, in, you know, in commerce or in uh, AI or what do I want to do? Then it, it hurts everyone. So while you need a diversity of opinions, you want to have people from, you know, of course, you want to have more women and you want to have more a diversity of opinions. In terms of what people are looking for when the conversation is focused, I think it's helpful for everyone. So we heard that Icon was born sort of accidentally. And from that point on, you're building in and doing so many things. Let's talk about the future. What's going on now? What are your plans? Do you look more structurally about the future? And what, like, where are you taking this? So just before COVID, we had this discussion, internal discussion. Uh, what is next for icon do we want to grow or do we want to deepen where we are and i think we were all you know the decision was that at this time we want to deepen before we grow it's not like um you know we want to focus on more people in silicon valley we want to have people from uh, more funds or from more um more corporates be part of the network we want to give more for the people that are already involved in icon get them more engaged in what we do And then later, uh, and later expand. You want to do something, you know, you want to do really, really well. And I think it actually applies to startups too. You want people to um, absolutely love you before you duplicate and not just like you and then duplicate that. So um, we felt we're still at the stage where we could uh, go deeper before we grow all over the world. 
uh, or not just over the world, because, you know, because we, before we grow, we don't have an intention to grow over the world. So that was our focus. Uh, COVID obviously changed everything. We're still going to trying to go, you know, every plan that we had is kind of put on hold. And we're planning for this environment and this time, how to create the best value for our members now. How do we uh, take advantage of the opportunities that are created by COVID? Um, like the more diverse, you know, the, the more the speakers that we wouldn't be able to get to otherwise, um, getting more entrepreneurs in Israel to, you know, to do what we do, getting um, maybe getting new people to our network here. And um, we'd love to continue with more ideas and more thinking on how do we take this community and we continue to pay forward? How do we do what we did with Unistream and now we're doing with them? Um, a new effort to be calling now Code for Israel. And the, just in one line, the idea here is to harness the high-tech community to um, solve uh, problems for um, other nonprofits, municipalities, government offices that could be solved by tech and are not being solved now. That's like the general thought, to harness the strength of the high-tech community to solve problems and to make our lives in Israel better. So describing all these amazing plans for the future, I'm curious, how are you looking to evaluate them? Are there any metrics that you're planning on using? I know every time we, uh, we look at a project, we try to evaluate how, you know, what, you know, how much work we put into it and what is the potential, what can we get out of it. Sometimes to start with, we say, no, there's a no-go. We don't, we don't think. Sometimes um, we try and then we decide maybe to continue to grow it and maybe not. But I'll give you an example. Uh, recently, we wanted to create, you know, we see within our alumni of SB101, we see many of them always um, recommending friends um, to one another. Like, oh, I have an, uh, a developer that, that's here um, and, you know, looking for a job. I know this marketing person is looking for a job. And we said, why won't we create, you know, it's a very simple project, but why won't we create like a portal for them where they can recommend people to one another and um, we can help them uh, find employees together as a group. Uh, we weren't sure if it's going to work. We, we did something. It didn't work. So we quickly, uh, we were quickly to not fall in love with things that don't work. I think that's also a good advice. You know, try if you have an idea and you're not sure and you can try it easy on a small scale. Try. It doesn't work. Just fix it and, and, and move forward. Move on. Yeah, so every project we will in the beginning um, figure out what is our goal from this project? What do we want to achieve? Um, and then we can either do it and later decide and see if we want to do it again or if it's something big, do a small scale experiment and then move forward. I think like everybody's doing this now. It's basically being agile and, and making sure that you're also looking at what's happening in reality and not just looking at the dream you had that how it's going to turn out. We are a nonprofit, but I'm looking at it as a, as a startup and as a business uh, that's not intended to make money, but is intended to, um, you know, to give value to its stakeholders, which is everyone in the community. And I remember when we just started, we ordered a sign for the door. And I said, okay, when can we have the sign? And I was expecting like Monday, Tuesday, like within two days. And they said, six to eight weeks. And I was like, what? Six to eight weeks? He says, yeah, we're a nonprofit. It takes time. This is how we work. And I was like, no, this is not how we work. This ain't happening. Ain't happening. <laughs> So I think that, you know, the fact that we're not trying to make money shouldn't impact anything else. We want to, um, you know, I'm looking at it as the same lens as somebody will look at their business and how, um, how you look at the people that work for you and what kind of, uh, what do you expect from people and what do you give in return? So we want to be as professional as we can. And 
I actually think like all those learning opportunities um, throughout the years for the entrepreneurs, I feel like I'm learning a lot from them. A lot from like every lecture that I listen to. I think I've been listening to those lectures for six years. I feel that I learned a lot and I'm trying to implement everything in Icon too. As someone who is leading this ecosystem from day zero to now, what are the skills that you need to manage such an ecosystem? What are the skills that you're using, that you have, that you're working on to build this along the way? I think for once, you, you got to love what you do. You got to like people. You got to enjoy connecting people, um, seeing the opportunities. For some reason, I have a good memory. Like sometimes I feel like I have the entire database in my mind that if you tell me something and I can like immediately tell you who you should speak with, my team will argue the other way around that I don't remember anything. It's subjective. <laughs> it's very subjective. Sometimes it's worked really, really well, but I don't know if like, it's a required skill, but sometimes I'll remember every esoteric thing about every, anyone that ever came to Icon. Uh, sometimes I won't remember anything, but this is something actually you can overcome. Those are, you can take notes and you can write those things. So I don't know if memory would be that. I, am, I like people. I'm curious about people. I want to meet them. I'm curious about their startups and about what they do. And I think I thrive when I see them thrive. It makes me happier, more energetic when I see other people do the work and succeed because I'm able to help them. So you got to like people. That's one thing for sure. You got to have a great operation team. I can be as, you know, as nice as I want if, if I didn't have Rachel was making sure every little detail I know and Jessica and the actor this entire team but Rachel was with me from the beginning um, making sure that every little thing works sometimes to the extent that I did not, don't even know that there was a problem I just see the final solution and it looks great and I don't know what happened behind that you've got to have attention I guess attention to detail because like when we had coffee in the conference It was important for me that we're going to have the whole milk and the non-fat milk and the 2% milk and the almond milk and the soy milk. Uh, while someone else was like, yeah, just let, let's have coffee. So I think that's important to have this like wholesome experience for people that take part of it. And maybe also an ability to, um, to, make, to motivate people, to make people want to work with you. Um, How do you do that? You want to work with How do you make people want to work with you besides getting them the milk they like? I remember, okay, I remember I, um, I used to work for a big accounting firm in Israel. And my boss, Yon Hansvi, had this huge smile on his face. And he could come to me at like 7 p.m. and say, give me like this huge work, which is due tomorrow, which means I have to probably stay in the office until I don't know when. But with this smile, it makes me, me really want to do it. I really wanted to make him happy. And, you know, he was, he would teach me things and he would, uh, was always nice. And I wanted him to be satisfied with my work. So maybe I have to ask him. It was like, make me want to do, put, put in the effort and um, not feel bad about it. <laughs> maybe that's not, a, that's not a good answer. I don't know. How do you make people want to work for you? Be, be authentic. Speak about, you know, how you are, uh, acknowledge uh, the good things that they, the good things that they do, which I don't do enough. So maybe this is an opportunity. I want to acknowledge my entire team, everyone there. I don't do enough of that, but they still want to work. And, you know, give them opportunities to grow, to do things that they don't think they can do and then show them they can do that. I think that's something that's important for everyone. So we're about yeah. to finish um, and we wanted to ask you just one tip you wish you knew 
when entering this field, meaning somebody who's going to build an ecosystem right now and could be of use of this tip? I think it's something I didn't know I know, but I kind of acted according to it, is that you really, you know, like you say in, this, in the company, in the startups, say the first people that come shape the company culture, the way the culture is going to be in the beginning, that's what it's going to be like when, it's good, when it grows. Um, so focus on those things. Um, your network is going to be shaped um, the way you start, the core, the plant, the seed that you're going to start with it with. It, it with. This is how it's going to grow and this is what it's going to be like. And make sure you're happy with the way it is in the beginning because later it's very difficult to change. Boom. So maybe in one line, my tip is be happy. Um, you know, understand that the seed that you're planting is the way your network is going to be, your community is going to look like when, uh, when it grows and it becomes bigger and, and more developed. And make sure you're happy with the way it looks now in the early days. Because um, that's how it's going to look later, and it would be very difficult to change later. Perfect. Now, I think one last question. It's sort of big, so you can take it wherever you want. But where do you think this field of ecosystem building is going? You just talked about so many different people who outreach to you, just like to learn how they can open their own. We're seeing so many more ecosystems, community come together. Where is this going? What it will be the, the position of an ecosystem builder in a few new years from now? See, I always thought of it um, like, you know, the focus is called the connectors. I didn't think of it as a, of myself as a connector. I um, thought of myself as someone who's there to create opportunities for other people to connect. I always tell the entrepreneurs, I, I put you in the same room with the people you need and you make the magic happen. So I'm creating the opportunity for you. So it's an opportunity creator maybe and not just not a connector. I think we understand more and more the strength of the community. Uh, on one hand, I think people have the desire to be part of those groups um, and be there. So I'm not just an ICON member. I'm also a member of the Israel community in Silicon Valley. I'm also a member of the Israeli-American community. Israel is living in the U.S. I'm also a member of the community of people that went to Burning Man. Um, I'm also a member of, you know, of different communities. I'm also a member of my family. So I think, um, we, you know, we define ourselves with all those communities we're part of. And like, if you tell me there's like five or six communities you're part of, I know a lot about you now and who you are. And I feel that from every community that I'm part of, I'm getting something, I'm giving something and I'm getting something. So, uh, I'm optimistic about this, um, about communities and I think we're going to see more and more communities and they're going to make uh, their members um, uh, more robust and stronger and help them thrive, uh, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, that sounds like a good, uh, a good future. I think we're going to um, just have another full episode about your Burning Man experience and that's not going to be recorded and we're going to have all the fun. So that's just going to be our little yeah, bonus. Burning Man, <laughs> it's, it's an amazing thing, but it's an amazing community. And does the Burning Man community actually does that people from Israel that went to Burning Man uh, community, which is completely different. And within that, every camp has its own community. So think how many things are there. And it's not just the one time thing, it becomes like something that you take with you for the full year. I think um, what we can definitely get out of this episode is that the next camp in Burning Man is going to be an icon camp. And you're just going to bring all the founders and build a big camp in Burning Man. Um, that's the next asked, project for 2021. <laughs> I have been asked to do that. Uh, yeah, I have been asked to do that. I'll think about it. We'll come along. 
Yasmin, this has been such a pleasure. We can literally sit here for another two hours, but we're going to have to to stop and just do that extra bonus episode. Um, thank you. Bye. Bye, Yasmin. Bye-bye.